you guys ready to jump into the message today? All right, grab your Bibles, go to Isaiah. We're going to read all of Isaiah today. <laughs> no, we're not, actually. Um, who likes the book of Isaiah? A few of you guys do. Well, hey, uh, I'm excited for this morning. Last week, um, we did a little reminder of who are we as a church. But let me also give you a reminder about even just our sermon times. Because um, I've seen it, I've heard that it's helpful for people for me to share this um, every once in a while. But the heart behind this time is very similar to our heart behind worship. Like you're not here to, um, to hear a good sermon. You're not here to <laughs> evaluate me. Like what ultimately, what I, though some of you will, whatever. <laughs> what, what I want you here for is, Lord, what are you, what are you saying? What are you speaking? You're not just trying to evaluate, you know, am I saying it right? Because I will not say it perfectly. But you're like trying to be in tune with God. What do you want to do in me? I just believe you are here on purpose, sovereignly by God. Some of you passionate followers of Jesus right now. Some of you, you know you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you're just curious or you followed a friend here. Some of you are in this journey of am I going to go all in or not? Um, but I believe God has you here sovereignly on purpose and he wants to do something inside of you today. And I would encourage you to have your ears kind of turned that direction. God, what do you want to do in me? And uh, it's also want to remind us, especially for those of you that are committed believers, uh, when we hear messages or we hear the Bible, we don't want to be just hearers of the word. We also want to be what? Doers of the word. That's taken from James 1. And um, even as I communicate, one of the prayers I pray often is from 1 Corinthians 2, where Paul's like, hey, I'm not, I'm not trying to come to you in eloquent words and persuasive speech, but what I want to come with is a demonstration of God's power or the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I want the Spirit of God ministering to you, touching you, convicting you, comforting you, whatever you need this morning, and I'm expectant for that. I think he's going to do some good stuff. You guys have faith for that this morning? Come on, it's going to be good. All right, so last week, like I said, we talked about who are we as a church and just reminded us and realigned us and called us back to who we are called to be, our core values. Let me put them up there again. You'll see them around in our church, uh, in the lobby, and then sometimes on the screen. But there's three things that we are committed to. Love Jesus. Everybody say love Jesus. Love say love each other. Love and live on mission. Awesome. Let me keep those up there just for a second. Um, what these are is not just the right words to say. It's less about verbiage. And really, it's more about us living this. You know, there's, because reality is most churches have uh, values very similar to this. Like, if their top value is not about loving God, then what, is it a church? I don't know. What is it? Okay. But I think that the, the game change or the difference maker is how are we doing living this out in community together and actually applying this? Now, let me comment. I'm going to tell you a little bit of what I mean by applying some of these things. But let me comment. This is not a starting point. This right here, living this way, is a response. It's not the starting point. You know what the starting point is? Just like somebody say Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. He, the great author and perfecter and finisher, the initiator of our faith. It starts with him. Do you know how much he did for you? A lot. <laughs> he laid down his life fully for you, and he loves you. And he's, God, he's so huge and massive and big. And we want to be a people that just encounter him and know him. And then the only right response to encountering God for real is you, you want to give him everything. 
Like, if you've really encountered the living God, you're like, he's so huge and big and good. I am so small and needy. Lord, here I am. I want my life to be yours because it's safer in your hands than it is in my hands. And, and, and another way to say that is the only right response is a life of surrender. We sing that song towards the end of worship. It's an Antioch song, and I think it captures the heart of who we want to be. Come and take over, Lord. We surrender over and over again. You're the Lord. You're the head. You're the leader. And I just want to remind us of that's who we are. The way that that surrender plays itself out is through these things, loving Jesus. What I mean by that is genuine love and devotion to Jesus. Like We don't want to be a people that, whose relationship with God is fake. We don't want to be a room of people that casually associate with Jesus. We want deep, committed, loyal love to him. And experiencing him on a daily basis, where all of you, I want all of you to say, Jesus is your best friend. You, you like walk with him. You talk to him. You, you listen to him. Anybody else want that? It's just, I want that to be true for me. And I want to invite us into that type of genuine, close relationship with Jesus. Now, love each other. What I mean by that is deep relationships with each other. Go ahead and look around this room. You already kind of talked to a few people. Look around this room. Okay, so it's, I'm talking about people in this room. The best context for being able to do this well consistently is life group. It's why we stress it all the time. And we want this to be a church where it's, it's just, this is not the place where we just kind of come and go for an hour and a half on Sundays. We, we want to know each other. And uh, if you're committed to life group, keep being committed, recommit again in 2024. If you're not yet committed to a life group, just remember you are so wanted and I'm trying to make it hard for you to stay here if you don't go to life group. So I'm just going to be honest with you because it's like, listen, guys, I want to be a biblical church, okay? And if we only show up once a week um, for an hour and a half, it's not biblical. Um, of course, you're invited. Of course, you're welcome. And so many of you are still checking things out. So please, you know, come again. <laughs> and hopefully you feel welcome every time. But I just want to be clear of where we're going is a, is a deeply committed people that know each other, walk with each other closely. Because we need it. We need help in our walks with God, and we need each other. And then lastly, we want to be a people that genuinely live on mission. What I mean by that is we're all committed to making disciples. Anybody familiar with the Great Commission? Familiar with that phrase? Jesus said, go out and make disciples of all nations. That call was not just to the radical missionaries. It's not just to people in ministry. That calls to anybody that says, Jesus is my Lord. He said, go and make disciples. And that could look like in your workplace, it could look like in your neighborhood, it could look like when you go to a coffee shop, you're just intentional to talk to people about Jesus and to care. I want that to be normal here uh, in this church. So there you go. There's a little reminder of who are we, and that's what I talked about last week. And this week, we're starting a new series. Why don't you actually put the sermon series slide on it? I'm not going to jump into it yet, but here's our new series. As we, this is the first series of 2024. It's titled Prioritizing His Presence. Anybody excited about that? Look at those trees and the sunlight. I love it. Lindsay, way to go creating those. I, could, I, can't, I cannot do that. Prioritizing his presence. And so for the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about, as we're kicking off 2024, how do we keep his presence, meeting with the living God, as a top priority uh, for us. But this phrase, you can um, take that down. This phrase kind of came out of a process of listening to God for what he was saying to us for 2024. And what I want to do first before I jump back into prioritizing his presence, I don't want to kind of unpack what we feel like as a church staff, what we feel like God is speaking to us for 2024. Kind of call this, quote unquote, the word of the Lord. It's a strong phrase, but just simply, what do we, if God is saying something to us, then what, what is that and how can we put legs to it, so to speak? 
So let me just share a little bit of like kind of the why, why we listen to God and why we try to get some clear direction. And then I'll unpack the phrase for you. So one, simply why we want to listen to God and get direction is because Jesus is the head of this church. He's the head of his body. He's the leader. He's in charge. And as the head, <laughs> it means he's, he has some thoughts. <laughs> it's kind of a funny thought <laughs> to think about. He, he's got some ideas. Okay? He's got a direction that he wants to lead his people and the things that he wants to do. And he's the leader, and in a sense, as his followers, we are following him. And now listen, there's always things, the basics of Scripture, no matter what season we're in, no matter what we feel like God's saying, there are basics in Scripture that we're always going to follow. Amen? Yes? Okay. But sometimes God does um, give some specifics. If we pause and we listen, and listen, this applies to your life, if you pause and listen, sometimes, oftentimes, the Lord has some specific things that he wants to speak to you and direct you in. And what it does is it helps us kind of walk in alignment with the season God has us in. It, it also teaches us to trust him. It also helps us kind of narrow in our life a little bit more. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes there's just so much going on and so much I can give myself to that I get spread so thin. Anybody? Yes? Okay. So when we listen and pause, we kind of like say, Lord, what are you highlighting? What, are you, what am I supposed to prioritize so that everything else can fall into alignment? And so for us, the practical process, it looked like beginning of, uh, or sorry, end of last year, 2023, we started asking our staff, some of our leaders, our pillars, Larry mentioned pillars, to start listening to God and say, Lord, what are you saying for the next year? People have opportunity to share what they're sensing from God. Uh, we chew on things for several weeks. Uh, we also pay attention to different things coming up in some of our discipleship groups or life groups. And uh, early in this year, we had uh, what we call a staff offsite. We do it about once a quarter. We would spend all day together hanging out, enjoying each other, but also seeking God. So, Lord, what are you saying? And let's, let's get some direction for this year. So we did that um, early January and came out of that with a little phrase that I'm going to unpack to you guys, all right? So here you go. Here's the phrase, the word of the Lord, that we feel like God is saying to us, and it'll be up here on the screen. So in 2024, here's what we feel like he wants to do. He is, in 2024, he is repairing our brokenness through two things, prioritizing his presence and obeying his word, and it's unto something. It's unto our missional calling as a church. So repairing our brokenness through prioritizing his presence and obeying his word. And it's unto our missional calling. It might be a mouthful, but I'm hoping it'll really clearly make sense. There's kind of three, three parts to it. But you guys are in Isaiah, right? I told you to turn there. Isaiah. All right, we're going to look at Isaiah 61. And there's two passages in Isaiah that I think we um, are kind of like the key passages that God brought up as we were seeking him. So Isaiah 61, anybody familiar with this one? Who quoted it in the New Testament? Anybody know? Jesus. Jesus. Yes, in Luke 4, he is in a synagogue, and he pulls out this scroll and reads what I'm about to read. Isaiah 61, 1 through 4. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Everybody say brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To grant those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. The garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. That they may be called oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations, and they shall repair. Everybody say repair. 
repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. So that is a mouthful, but what I like to call this is like this is the quote-unquote anointing of Jesus. Like this is a summary of the anointing God put on Jesus, our Messiah, in the way that he ministers to people. He does all these things, and I would say, and more. He preaches good news to us. He heals the broken places in our hearts, place that we feel trapped and captive to. He sets us free. Anybody in agreement with me? This has been an experience that you've had in your walk with Jesus. He opens prison doors for us. He gives us favor. He comforts us. And um, he restores things. He gives us uh, beauty instead of ashes, garment of praise instead of heaviness. Yeah? Is that what Jesus does? So, so thankful. And I think the Lord's just reminding us of what he does this year and uh, wanting us to believe that this is a significant year to encounter this truth about who Jesus is and what he does for his people. Another passage, it's just a couple chapters before that I want you guys to look at. It'll probably be from, uh, new for a few of you guys. But Isaiah 54, verse 2 and 3, there's some similarities, but it has a little bit of a different uh, scope or or edge to it. Isaiah 54, 2 and 3, this is a passage that uh, many decades ago, as the Antioch movement was starting, um, Jimmy Seibert, he's the founder of the Antioch movement. Uh, If you're unfamiliar with Antioch, we're part of a network of other churches uh, in the U.S. and also around the world. Uh, It started in, in Waco, and we have a calling to train and send people and plant churches all over the world. And um, decades ago, Jimmy received this in a really profound and clear and prophetic way. You know, when somebody gives you a verse, hey, I feel like God's speaking a verse to you. And three people say that that don't know each other, didn't talk to you, and all three of them give you the same verse. What do you think you should do? (laughs) Pay attention. (laughs) Okay, so it's a really cool story. And and, uh, Jimmy, I told you last week, he's actually coming here in April, which is super exciting. And so get get ready for that. I want to honor him and thank him for the labor and the sacrifice to, to help us and prepare a way for us to have communities like this. But, but anyways, here's what it says, Isaiah 54, 2 and 3. It says, enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left and your offspring offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. So this is broad and this is big and this is kind of out there, but it's something that I want to remind us of and I think the Lord is reminding us of. And it's more similar, if you could put that word of the Lord phrase um, up there again. Kind of this verse connects a little bit more with that last one, kind of our missional calling, which I will um, comment on in just a little bit here. But it's, it's reminding us that as God meets with us, as God transforms us, repairs our brokenness, and all these things he wants to do, that there is something on the other side of our healing and our mending and us encountering him. There are people on the other side. There are cities on the other side. There are nations on the other side that God wants to send us out to and not hold back. And I'm just feeling stirred this year to remind us that this is a calling on our house, and I want us to say yes to it by the grace of God. All right? I'm excited about it. You guys excited? I'm probably the most excited, but come on, jump on with me, guys. Here we go. Hey, let me unpack these phrases, repairing our brokenness. Okay, this first one, this speaks of the health of every individual in our church, every marriage in our church, every family in our church. And when it comes to the individual, I'm talking about our, the health of our relationship with God, our mental health, emotional health, even our relationships with other people. But I have a question for you guys. Does anyone in this room besides me have areas of brokenness in their life? Awesome. About 60% of you. So 40%. What'd you do? How'd you do that? I mean, you're just lying. Anyways, 
So we've got brokenness in our life, but the great news, according to Isaiah 61, is this is what Jesus does. He heals our brokenness. He repairs our brokenness. Amen? And so here's a truth I want you guys to receive this morning. As you think about areas of brokenness, areas of struggle, areas of sin, areas of temptation, whatever you want to put in this, the things that aren't right in us, I want you to receive this from the Lord. One, God sees you. He sees it. And he cares a lot. He cares about this, the struggles. And beyond that, not only he sees he cares, he wants to help you. I love the end of worship. We started, I just started weeping. I'm just like, when we started going into the Lord, we need you or I need you. I, because I just, I feel the Lord's response to that cry. And he says, I will help you. <laughs> Thank you for acknowledging you need me. Here I come. And man, I love that heart of God. He sees our brokenness. He cares, but he also wants to help us. But here's a couple things we need to do if we want to receive God's help and put three things, really practical things, especially in in relating to our brokenness. Uh, One, we need to identify our brokenness. Everybody say identify. Okay, we need to identify what are the areas that are not right in me. Number two, we need to be honest, and this is with God and with others. So by yourself, you might be able to think about, okay, I am really struggling uh, in my sexual purity. Or I'm really struggling in my marriage. My wife and I just cannot get along. We're disunified. I am struggling. And, you know, whatever it is, I'm really struggling with comparing myself and not feeling worthy. You know, you're identifying it. But then you got to do step two. You got to bring it before the living God. You got to say, Lord, I need you. But notice, not just God. (laughs) Because the way that God often operates is he will heal you through other people. He, he will add strength and life and vibrancy to your life through the people you're surrounding yourself with. People that are carrying a testimony of breakthrough from the very struggle you're walking through right now. He'll put people in your life that will minister to you, care for you. You'll receive care and love from God by seeing it in another person's eyes sometimes. And so we've got to be honest and we've got to be real. The worst thing you can do is be fake and pretend like you got it all together. We already know you don't. <laughs> okay? I already know you don't. And I hope you know I don't have it all together. Beth knows I do not have it all together for sure. Um, But, man, the worst thing we do is lie and just think that, you know, every time somebody asks you how you're doing, you say, good. Doing great. Everything's great in my life. Everything's perfect. I never mess up ever. I have no brokenness. All right. So don't be that person. Okay, the third one is very similar. all connected, but seek help. Okay, it's be honest full Lord, being honest with people, but it's getting the help that you need. Now, first, you know, we got to talk to God. Um, we got to have conversations with the Lord about these different things we are going through. But there's a b- bigger picture, like I was just mentioning, being in discipleship, opening up your heart consistently, having people hold you accountable, being consistent in life group. I mean, getting people surrounding you, getting counseling, you know, getting specific prayer ministry. Reading books on, on, and just hearing testimonies of people getting breakthrough from the areas you're struggling with. Like, we need to seek out the help. And the Lord is so faithful to, um, to help us. And one more comment on that. Let's not be ashamed of our brokenness. Let me just be clear. We're all broken. Yes? Let's not be ashamed. If you need help in a certain area, like, don't, don't hide it. Say, I need help. I need help. I need help in this. Okay? There's areas of insecurity. There's areas of anger. 
in my life that I'm like, I need help. I need breakthrough, and I want to get it from the Lord. I need to open up to other folks and receive that, and I don't want there to be any ounce of shame. Like, let's, let's go get the help we need, amen? Because you guys want to be healthy? <laughs> I'm just assuming you do, <laughs> but y'all can go and agree by nodding your head. You want to be healthy? You want God to touch your heart? Or you want to stay in all of your brokenness and sin and shame? Okay, <laughs> all right. I didn't think so. All right. Well, here's the deal, guys. Um, there's a way to do it. I gave you a couple ways, but um, we have no chance in receiving healing in the areas of our brokenness and repairing unless we are coming before the presence of Almighty God. We have no chance. If you're struggling through sexual impurity and you just keep falling and you're agreeing with lust all the time and you're giving in to this stuff, if you never talk with God and get before him, you have no chance of breakthrough. Okay, so we're... we're we are repairing our brokenness first through prioritizing the presence of God. I, I hope this is everyone's number one priority is you have a real relationship with God that plays itself out by meeting with him. My relationship with Beth is my wife is not real or at least definitely not deep unless I'm getting good time with her consistently. Like she doesn't know me. She doesn't know what's going on in my world unless we're talking. And the same thing is true with um, marriages. You know, if your marriages, you're seeing some, some brokenness there, there is, there is no hope for a marriage to be restored unless both spouses are seriously getting before God and getting his heart for your spouse and, and him leading you to places of humility and repentance. There's no hope. So I want to encourage us. To, and I'm going to talk about that. We're kicking off that series today. And um, I'll talk about that in just a little bit. But let's talk about obeying his word. So we're, we're getting healing from our brokenness. He's repairing it through prioritizing his presence and obeying his word. Okay, let me give you a couple um, scriptures here. One proverb, one psalm. Proverbs uh, 4 says, My son, be attentive to my words. Everybody say, my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them. And what? Healing into all their flesh. There's something about the word of God in our lives that brings healing and strength and a sure foundation. Psalm 119 has a similar heart to it, mainly particular uh, to areas of sin and brokenness. It says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I what? might not sin against you. Isn't that great? So there's something about being a people committed to the word of God, not just his presence, worshiping, prayer, talking with him, journaling, but also filling our minds and our souls and our hearts with his word. And this year, um, really want to encourage you guys, um, let this be a year, 2024, a year where you are deeply rooted and grounded in the word of God. And we're going to try to make it easy for you guys. I mentioned this last week, but we're doing a, we're offering a Bible reading plan to anybody in our church, it's actually the same reading plan that our Antioch Discipleship School is doing, um, but to highly encourage you to consider reading through the whole Bible in 2024, okay? And so there's, I think there's a slide uh, or a QR code or something, yes? So pull out your phone real quick if you want this, okay? So this, it's all electronic, okay? And I want you to process it, but really it starts today. This is kind of, in a sense, day one or week one, and there's a couple built-in breaks throughout um, each week and each, uh, each month. But really want to encourage you guys to consider uh, reading through the Bible. Okay, some of you guys have already read through the whole Bible, and that's awesome. Uh, some of you guys have never read through the whole Bible. Like, what if 2024 was the year that you said, great, I'm, I'm going to get to the end of this year, and I'm going to have read through the whole Bible. 
Now, let me be clear. This is not some sort of like spiritual, you know, checklist and or like a, a step in your righteousness. No, no, no. It's simply like this is an opportunity to get to know God more. And guys, getting into the word of God, reading the word of God honestly saves you from so much. His word applied to us protects us from deception. It brings healing. It leads us into truth and gives us understanding. Amen? And so I just want to encourage you to, to jump in. And there's, um, you know, there's a reading plan, but also we want to uh, encourage you along the way. So um, Lindsay Gore is leading the charge in kind of spearheading this for us. And some of you that know Lindsay are not surprised. She just, she just loves the Bible, and, um, which I do too, but she expresses it differently. And um, anyways, there's also a, like a group me you could join to get other resources as we are approaching different books of the Bible to help you understand what you're reading and just encouragement and prayers along the way. And so my encouragement is go all in, and um, let's get grounded in the Word of God this year. Amen? Also, I'm thinking of uh, we're going to do a series later on this spring on the book of James. Because when I think about the, <laughs> when I think about um, obeying God's word, I always go. I always think about the book of James. <laughs> I'm like that's a good summary. Obey God, <laughs> like actually follow through. It's a good summary of James. So we're gonna do a series on that later on in the spring. All right. Last but not least, um, let me share that last part of this phrase, um, which is this: uh, His healing, His repairing to us through these different avenues of His presence and His word. Uh, they are unto something. And I want to try to unpack this in a short amount of time, but uh, usually I don't. Uh, I want us to know that Jesus has an expectation or a desire for his church. And like something that he wants his church to be. And there's different ways that you can express that. But here's a couple biblical phrases. He wants his church to be the light of the world, to be salt in the earth to be different than the world. He wants us to be ambassadors of his kingdom. Uh, he wants us to reach the world, be a city on a hill that reaches the world. You guys believe that? Remember those phrases from Jesus? That's what he has uh, for his church. And so his church has, has, from the beginning, has always had a missional calling. And what, here's what we have to remember, because we're, if you really accept this, you're going against the grain of culture. But here's, here's where we're at with our culture. You ready? Everything I've said so far, repair our brokenness. Take my personal well-being and health really well. Okay, getting, getting some help, getting in God's presence, or at least a higher power, and, you know, having some sort of, you know, just like solid resource to go to. Okay, like, like most people teach some version of that, and most people, even if they're non-believers, will say, I don't want a bunch of brokenness in my life, okay? But guys, what is the end in mind? As the church... We have to have a higher aim, a higher end goal than just my own personal well-being. I am not at the top. God is, and I would even say his mission, his purpose is at the top. So it matters a lot, and we're going to emphasize it this year, our own personal wholeness and well-being. But it's not that I, I do all these changes, and I get all these healthy rhythms, and I learn how to Sabbath, and I learn how to rest in God's presence, and I know it's, I'm not striving anymore. And then it's just, ah, oh, my life is now peaceful. Okay, then what? <laughs> it's unto you being rescued by Jesus and then going out to being a rescuer. There are so many people in our own region, our own city, that have no relationship with Jesus. But I'm assuming most of you do. And God wants his church to be his hands and feet to go be rescuers in this city. 
There are people all over the world that have yet to hear the gospel. The gospel that has been so normal to us for so many years, but there are still nations and people groups all over the world that have yet to even hear the name of Jesus. And there is this calling on God's church to care and to go. And I want to remind us this year, as God heals us, as he restores us, it's unto something greater than just ourselves. Because I want us to feel peace. I want us to feel like, man, I've got great well-being. But I don't want it to stop there. I want it to be unto something else. And honestly, this will actually motivate you in pursuing your own health and wholeness. Okay, let me give you a couple examples. It's like, <laughs> here's a great one. Okay, you need, to, you need to take your the marriage your marriage and the health of your marriage seriously, one, for your own sake, but because there's so many people that are up and coming that are getting married within this church, this size. I think there's like seven weddings this summer, okay? Maybe a few more surprises, you know? It's like so many people are, are getting engaged, going on dates. If you stay around long enough, you'll be asked out as well at this church, okay? <laughs> Just... It's just what happens. Honestly, I love it. I, I'm for it. I pray for it. It's awesome. It's one of my top priorities, matchmaking. Just kidding. Uh, but it's like, here's the deal. These young, engaged, or dating couples, they need healthy marriages to look to. Because if you're not taking the health of your marriage seriously, then you are not able to impart healthy vision, healthy culture of a healthy marriage. And so it motivates you. Same with sexual purity. If you're not taking your own sexual purity well, then there's so many that are struggling and bound, and you're not able to help someone get free from the chains that you used to be bound to. And I, wanna, I want that to motivate you to take whatever air of brokenness you have seriously, to get the healing, to get God to repair you, so that God can send you out as a rescuer to others. Is this making sense? And uh, it's awesome. It makes our lives so much more purposeful. When it's not just the end is me. That is challenging for me to hear. <clears throat> but I'm glad I get to tell you too. <laughs> All right. Where did I go? All right. <laughs> Let me just say one more thing, and then I'm going to read you an uh, encouraging text from our dear friend Kelly Casillas. <clears throat> so... Um, it just this just broadens, or maybe here's a specific element of that missional calling. It is it is anywhere and everywhere, and it's here in Northwest Arkansas. Your workplace, college campuses, you know, is where you're going about. But it goes beyond that. We have a calling to be a part of reaching the unreached, and um, and I want to remind us of that calling. And I feel like as God heals us this year. He's going to launch us into another season of more sending. A lot of you guys are familiar with this, but last October, we got to send our very first full-time missionary, Kelly, out to the Middle East. She's doing awesome. And um, I, I just I have faith that this, like, she is the first of many that God's going to call to be a part from this little church in northwest Arkansas to actually have an impact on what God's doing in the nations of the earth. So here's, here, here's an update from her. I asked her to send this just like to write something to you guys. Some of you guys financially support her, prayed for her, send her out. But here's what she says. She says, hey, church fam, exclamation point. I can't believe it has already, um, it has been three months already since I've moved here. Here's a couple of testimonies. Over Christmas, we passed out 120 candy canes with the story of Jesus' birth tied on them. A fun outreach we did, um, that was a fun outreach we did with our house church. Recently, I was able to help lead a short-term team, which is a team from the U.S. that came for a week or two over to the Middle East. 
And she said it was so fun and encouraging to see college students on fire for what God's doing in the nations. From that trip, four quote-unquote pass-offs came out of that, two for a house church and two for one-on-one Bible reading. Praise the Lord. That's amazing. That's huge (laughs) for people to be open to the gospel and want to do that. She says we continue to pray corporately for this country twice a week, so a lot of intercession. We're believing that 2024 is a year of uh, reaping what we've sown. She says, I'd love for you all to agree with us in prayer that this would be a year of reaping what we've sown. For her personally, which we're about to pray, that, in just a second. She says, for me personally, I'm getting closer to the time when I can officially apply for residency here, which means that she'll finally be able to rent an apartment, get a car, and so there's a lot of transitional things uh, coming up for her. So prayer that everything goes smoothly and there's a peaceful process uh, in general would be amazing. Then she says, I love you guys. Then that, that emoji with the hands that has a heart. it's cool all right let's pray for her right now sound good lord we thank you so much for our sister we remember she's a part of this family but lord she's in another nation right now god we pray this would be a year of reaping what they've sown in the middle east Lord, we're asking for many people to come and know jesus muslim background people lord would have encounters with jesus through dreams through visions through miracles through just hearing the gospel and being convicted by the spirit of god lord let this be a year of reaping what has been sown in the place of prayer sown in the place of evangelism let it be god and lord we pray for Kelly, we thank you for this season. We ask for the peace of God to surround her and cover her. We pray for all these practical things, all this transitional stuff to go so smooth. We pray for favor over here, over her, and provision over her, and just a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. And she just feels so carried by this church body. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So good. Isn't it great to hear a little update from Kelly? So good. All right, so this year... Um, we, what, do, what do we feel like God's saying? Put that phrase up there one more time. He is repairing our brokenness through prioritizing his presence and obeying his word. And it's unto our missional calling. All right. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you just part one, a short part of the series, Prioritizing His Presence. And um, what I want you to see here is that, one, prioritizing the presence of God was so normal for the early church. And then two, it, it changed a lot of things in people's individual lives, but also externally. Here's a couple examples. There's a few, uh, sl- uh, maybe one or two slides that have some phrases from the book of Acts. I just looked at the first few chapters. I was like, how often did the people of God, early believers, get into his presence? Now, you're going to see the word pray or prayer up there a lot. So remember, that's in the presence of God. They're talking to God. They're in his presence together. But look at, look at these things. Okay, one, Jesus instructed them to wait and to pray, and thankfully they obeyed him. Je- prayer was the first thing that disciples devoted themselves to. When the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. They were all together worshiping and praying. The early church description in Acts 2, which if you're in life group, we read this all the time. There was an emphasis and a devotion to prayer, the word, and worship. Okay, and then um, the first uh, recorded... Um, well, the first healing uh, happened in the book of Acts in chapter 3 as um, Paul, sorry, Peter and John were on the hour, going on the way to the hour of prayer. Okay, so there was a deep commitment to it. And then it talks about the uh, first arrest uh, of Peter and John. The, the church immediately gathered to pray. Also, it says the leaders of the church would not compromise their commitment to prayer and his word, even when opportunities came to serve. Okay, they, of course, provided for those needs by raising up other people, but there's this little phrase from the church leaders, hey, we're going to devote ourselves to the word and prayer and not let even good opportunities get in the way to that. Um, also, Peter received a vision while in God's presence that opened up the gospel to the Gentiles. 
Also, the church fervently prayed for Peter uh, after, I should say, after Herod's uh, arrested him. And then leaders of the church in Antioch, where we get our name from, it's a city in the New Testament in modern-day Turkey. Um, but it talks about the leaders gathering together at this church at Antioch, and they were worshiping and seeking God. And then from that place of worship, they heard from the Lord, hey, set apart Paul and Barnabas to go and plant churches and be sent out. And it was that place of worship prayer. It even says fasting in there. Is this making sense? You see that picture? You know, it's just like it was normal for them. And so when as I think about that, read that, I'm like, man, what would be awesome for it to be normal for us to be a priority for us to be a people in God's presence, both for our individual life, but also corporately together. Now, here's what I want to say when it comes to prioritizing God's presence and um, spending time with him consistently, if some of you guys do that already. Some of you guys, if you were to like consistently meet with God or pray or spend time with him every day, that would be new. And I just want you to know, it's okay. All of us start somewhere. About 20 years ago, when I gave my life to the Lord, I started at a place of not knowing anything about spending time with God. And here's what happened. People helped me. <laughs> it was awesome. It's like day one of salvation. I was given this Bible reading plan to read through the whole Bible in a year and given a little tool called the soap uh, journal. Anybody familiar with that? Say, obey, application, and prayer. Yeah, it's great. Soap. <laughs> Felt clean afterwards. Anyways, and uh, <laughs> thanks for laughing. Um, and it was great. I was like, it was the help I needed. And I, I <laughs> tremendously failed in following through with it the first few weeks, but then just got some more people around me to help me and, and became normal for me to, to learn to read the Bible and get alone with God, which was awesome. Even had a couple other um, challenges along the way. I remember this one summer of challenge that our youth group did, and um, it was so helpful to be challenged to spend an hour with the Lord, or I think we maybe read through the whole New Testament during that summer, about two or three months. It was so helpful. And so doing things like a Bible reading plan, hopefully I, uh, is really helpful to you to kind of jumpstart it becoming normal for you to get with God and make it a top priority. And over the next several weeks, as we are doing this series, Prioritizing God's Presence, um, I want to equip you in things that will help you spend uh, personal time with the Lord, but also corporately, corporate time with the Lord. So we're going to talk about things like hearing God's voice. We're going to talk about fervent prayer and intercession and what that could look like. We're going to talk about how do you talk with God thoroughly about your emotions and your pain and your disappointments and how to receive his truth. We're going to talk about how to read the Bible and get so much from it, uh, how to experience God by taking a Sabbath consistently. We're going to talk about a variety of things that help us prioritize God's presence. And then even next week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to model for you how to do a 30-minute alone time with God okay, or a time with Jesus. I'm going to model it for you, okay? And um, I want you to engage in the modeling next week. How many guys were there, I think it was about two years ago at the Holiday Inn, I think it was our last our last message, our last Sunday, I modeled time with Jesus. Anybody there? Great. Was it good? Should I do it again? Yes. I just heard you all say yes. Okay. Because I'm going to do it anyways. <laughs> it's so uncomfortable for me because it's like, I don't, it feels like I'm acting. But anyways, um, I want it to be helpful because a lot of us like, yes, I want to, but how? So seeing somebody do it, and I'll do a quick little teaching and then model it for you guys and you can engage with me. So bring your Bible, your hard copy Bible. Prefer that it's not your phone because there's other distractions on there, um, but whatever. And bring a journal, bring a pen. So come ready. If you don't come with those things, that's all right. We've got a few Bibles and you can take some notes on your phone, but I want to encourage you to do that next week. Sound good? All right, band, go ahead and come on up. 
And let me close it out with just kind of one more point here, and then we will do some uh, reflection together and, and listening to God. So what I pretty much just shared with you guys was with the theme prioritizing his presence, I just focused in on, hey, let's make it a priority, just like the early church did. Did you guys catch that? It was normal. It was a priority for the early church to get in the presence of God. Yes, y'all saw that? <clears throat> but I want you to remember that it's not just, let's make it a priority. Let's, let's do it. Like, let me make it a priority. I want you to remember it's not just my own intentionality that's going to lead the way. I want you to remember, like, what we are prioritizing. And it's God's presence. <laughs> Holy, infinite, uncreated, beautiful, wonderful, glorious, worthy God that we get to spend time with, that we get to be in his presence. I want you to remember not just, hey, get motivated to go do it, but what are you going to? What are you prioritizing? The presence of Almighty God. What a privilege through what Jesus did on the cross and his resurrection that we even have access to this place. Do you guys know, have you ever read the Old Testament? If you do the Bible reading plan, you're about to. <laughs> and there were a lot of rituals for the people of God to go through and priests and robes they had to put on and <laughs> things they had to put in their earlobes <laughs> and all sorts of stuff that you'll find in there just so that they could enter in to God's presence. And really, it was like one person, the high priest, once a year that got to go into what was called the Holy of Holies. But guys, here's what's so amazing about the New Testament, the New Covenant. Through the blood of Jesus, every single believer, any time of the day, can enter into that Holy of Holies. It is so cool. <laughs> we don't understand the weight of it, because I think most of us are not Jewish, don't didn't come from that background. What an honor. <laughs> the God who put the world into existence says, come here. I want to spend time with you. I've made a way for you by the blood of Jesus. Whew, what an honor. <laughs> and I want us to say, like, to, to say yes to that honor, say yes to that invitation, for it to be our greatest joy. Guys, God's presence, it is your greatest place of feeling like your life matters. It is your greatest place of purpose. It is your greatest and only place of actually being a secure human being. Because when you come into the presence of your Father, He reminds you He loves you. When you come to the presence of your Father, He reminds you that He created you on purpose and for a purpose. This place of God's presence, Psalm 16, 11 says, is the place of the fullness of joy, of meaning, of satisfaction. And man, I want us to just be so hungry to be with Him this year. And in that place of His presence, He will meet with us. He will repair us. He will heal us. He will speak to us. And man, I want us to be marked by His presence this year. Here's an aim, just one last verse, and then we'll talk to God about this. Kind of a, a picture for us, a vision for us, for every single person in this verse. It's taken from Acts 4.13. Look what it says about kind of the early church, the early believers. It says, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, perceived that they were uneducated, common men that did not go to seminary, <laughs> it says the people were astonished. But here's what they recognized. These guys had been with Jesus. And let this be said about the people in this room. Let this be said about your coworkers, your classmates, your family. Like, who have you been hanging out with? 
the living God, and he's filling me with his glory. <laughs> he's filling me with his joy. He's filling me with light. I feel free. I feel known and loved by God. That's why I'm smiling. <laughs> it's like, wouldn't it be awesome if this is the testimony that we all carry as we go out into our normal lives? We've been with Jesus, and people can tell. So that's what I'm inviting us into, church, and we'd love for us to, to say yes to invitations, a glorious invitation. Let's take some time right now between you and the Lord just to process. There'll be a couple um, questions on the screen talking about, hey, just identifying some areas of brokenness like I mentioned at the beginning. But then also let's, let's take a few moments to think about how we can prioritize being in God's presence this year, and then we'll um, close it out with some prayer. All right? So, Lord, just speak to us. Every heart in this room, speak to us as we reflect and as we talk to you about these questions.